0: Hello, brethren, and welcome to this first day of Unleavened Bread. These holy days are days that God has given to us to teach us vital lessons. And I want to, first of all, bring you greetings from your brethren that are keeping this day in the Asia-Pacific region of the world. We have brethren in Sri Lanka and India, across into Burma, Thailand, down into Malaysia, Singapore, over to Indonesia, across to the uh, nation of Papua New Guinea, up in the Philippines, over to Vanuatu in the Pacific and Fiji and New Zealand and, of course, the continent of Australia. In that area, there are about 1,300 people that are keeping this particular day and they certainly would want to have their greetings passed on to all the rest of their brethren around the world. So no matter where we live... God has commanded us to keep this day holy. It is a very, very important time in his plan, and he wants us to understand what it means, why we are doing it, why we don't eat the leaven, and why we have to have the unleavened bread during these particular days. It may seem strange to a lot of people, but what is God intending us to learn from all this? We need to understand that, because over the years, thousands of people have learned about these days they've kept them along with us and yet for some reason now they have stopped keeping them and there has to be a reason why they have forgotten the importance of what and why God has given us these days we kept the night to be much remembered last evening and I hope all of us had a wonderful time and a fine feast we kept the Passover the evening before And, of course, that was very important in God's plan and scheme for the salvation of the world. But we need to understand why God now has us keep these particular days, as he calls them, the Feast Unleavened Bread. Israel came out of Egypt, and I think we all know the story. They eventually crossed over the Red Sea and ultimately entered into the, the Promised Land. But for us... We can't leave the nation of Egypt. Israel were slaves in Egypt. They had a place to go. They could move out of there, and God had them move out and go to the Promised Land. But here we are today. We live in different parts of the world, and the exodus that God wants us to understand about, the departing from Egypt is a spiritual departure that God wants us to comprehend and really understand in our own minds today we have people who live in india among the hindus we have others in sri lanka and burma and thailand who live among the buddhists and all their idols and their temples we have people in new guinea as i mentioned who live among the demonic spirit houses and the the worship of the evil spirits there and also in the pacific islands we have brethren who live amongst the catholicism in the in the philippines we have brethren in australia and new zealand who live amongst materialism and secularism as most of the western world is involved in today how do we escape from all of this what does god intend for us to understand well first of all let me take you over to second corinthians chapter six let's begin by reading there because here we find and of course the apostle paul in corinthians remember in the first book of corinthians mentions about the Passover and the days of unleavened bread and the importance of keeping these particular t- these particular days. But here in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 6, we find also Paul giving us instruction rec- rec- concerning coming out of Egypt, leaving this world behind, the changes that we need to make in our lives and what these days represent and mean. And as I've already mentioned, why is it that thousands of people who have come to understand this, no longer keep these days. We're going to go through this today and see the instruction that God has given, the admonition that he has for us, so we can hang on to this truth and never let it go. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and beginning in verse 14, he begins by telling us here, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, Israel were in Egypt. And the Egyptian civilization at that time, just generally generalizing, of course, was a, a corrupt society. They were given over to idol worship. Uh, everything about their system was wrong and evil. And God in the scriptures points that out very clearly. And here we find in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians six and verse 14, he says, "Don't be yoked together with people who do not believe." We need to get away from that. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? How can we who know the truth now live together with individuals who live a different lifestyle or a different way of life? And what communion has light with darkness? Truth and error are incompatible. And so Paul is giving very vital instruction here to us who are in the church, who understand the truth, who have been, given god's law and he's telling us and giving us instructions how we are to live our lives let's read on a little bit further here in verse 15 and what concord has christ with belial or what part has he that believes with an infidel and what agreement has the temple of god with idols and i think of our brethren in the southeast asian part of the world where there are thousands of hindu temples and buddhist temples And yet they have to live in that society and around that environment. And they have to hear the chants and see the religious practices that are happening constantly around them. How do they deal with this? What about us in our world and the false gods that surround us? How do we deal with it? Well, he says in verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. But notice here in verse 17, he says, Wherefore, come out from among them. That's what Israel had to do. They had to come out of Egypt. How do we come out? How do we come out, as he says here? Come out from among them, and be you separate, says the Eternal, and touch touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Eternal Almighty. Well, God wants us to be a part of his family, but we cannot be a part of this world. We have to leave it. We have to be separate from it. And, 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 and uh, we find here that Paul is very strong in giving this instruction to the people in Corinth not to be involved in the society in which they were surrounded by Before we go on much further, I want to take you back here to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, these events also happened around the Passover time. You'll remember Christ was about to be arrested uh, just before the Passover uh, and uh, actually on the Passover day. And then later on that uh, next morning and afternoon was his uh, uh, crucifixion and then ultimate uh, death. And so we find here in John chapter 17, just before Christ was arrested, he is praying to his father and he's concerned about those of us who are going to be called, the disciples at that time. And he is giving instructions here or he's praying to his father how we are to be in this world, but not of it. We have to live in this world. And yet as God's people, we have to come out of it. We have to exodus out of the Egypt in which we live today. And so, here in John chapter 17, and we can start here in about verse 15. Let's drop back to verse 14. John 17 and verse 14. Christ said, I have given them your word. And then he goes on to say, And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. The people of Israel in Egypt, anciently, had to get out of Egypt. They were not Egyptians. God did not want them to be a part of that society and that system and that corruption. And so he physically took them out. And so here Christ is talking about us. He says, because they are not part of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the Holy One. Or I should read there, I pray in verse 15, that you should not take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil or from the evil one. So we are to be in the world, and yet we are not to be part of it, and yet we are also to come out of it. So how do we do that? How does God accomplish that for us? In verse 16, he says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. And so God sets us apart from the world. We come out of this society, out of this system. We are set apart by God through his word. Sanctify them through your truth, for your word is truth. And so there very briefly, we find a statement of how today... Even though we have to live in the society with the corruption of Satan's system all around us, nevertheless, we have to escape. We have to get out and the, we have to be separate. We have to, as the scripture says here, be sanctified. And the one thing that separates us, of course, is the word of God, is the truth that God has given to us through his spirit and put into our minds. Back over here in First Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to take you back to the very first Exodus so we can understand how God wants us to be in the world but not of the world. I want you to take, take you back there to show you some very vital principles that God gives us of how we can hang on to the truth that we have been given and never let it go. And unlike so many today who have turned their back They've wanted to go back to the world. They wanted to go back to Egypt. God certainly doesn't want that for any of us or any of his people. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul is reminding the Corinthian church about the people of Israel and where they came from. And it's very important that we understand these things because this is not just a few words that were written to the corinthian church for people nearly two thousand years ago these were words that were written as we will see in a minute for us now paul wants us to understand something very very vital and we find here in verse one of first corinthians 10 moreover brethren i would not that you should be ignorant he wants us to be enlightened he wants us to understand he doesn't want us to be ignorant about what happened back then how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, we have gone through that process spiritually. We've come to understand the truth. We've wanted to turn our back on the world. Most of us have come to the place where we've repented and been baptized and received God's Holy Spirit and we were able to keep the Passover as God's children the night before last. But he says in verse 3, all these people, they ate the same spiritual meat and they did drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Christ was there with them leading those people out of the uh, uh, the country of Egypt and it's the same Christ that is leading us today. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. And I think we could say the same thing about many of those today in this era that God hasn't been well pleased with them either. They once upon a time came out of this world. They started their journey towards the kingdom of God. And yet, unfortunately, they have turned their back on that direction and gone back to this world. And God cannot be well pleased with those that he's been working with, and they have taken the, those steps. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And we need to read that statement there and that sentence and ask ourselves is it possible that I could be overthrown? What can I do to prevent this happening to me? And notice what he says in verse 6 Now these things were our example. And as we drop down, you can read the examples there, but we come down to verse 11 and he says, Now all these things happen to them for example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world or the ends of the age, this time right now in which we live, are come. These things for us. And that is one of the vital lessons when we think about leaving Egypt, leaving this society do we go back and think on what happened with ancient Israel? Well, that's one aspect of it, and we'll talk about something else in a moment. But I do want to take you back to the Exodus, the first Exodus, because it's important that we understand it. Paul said these things were written for our admonition. And so let's go back here now to Exodus chapter 12 and have a look at what happened and what Moses that God, through Moses, was informing us of how we can always stay faithful and loyal and close to Christ and hang on to the promises that God has given to us. Let's go back here to, first of all, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12, and beginning here in verse 26. As we go through these scriptures, there is a theme that you will begin to see that Moses is pointing out and we find here in verse 26 of exodus chapter 12 remember this is the chapter that primarily deals with the passover but in verse 26 he says and it shall come to pass when your children shall say to you now he's talking about something that was going to happen in the future these people had experienced the exodus but He says, in the future, when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. God intends that as each generation goes on, as each year goes by, that we think about what happened originally. He wanted them not to forget that first Passover. In chapter 13, we begin to read here about the days of unleavened bread and this particular day that we're keeping even right now. And notice what he says in verse 3. And Moses said to the people, remember this day. He points out to them here, there is something that has to be done about these days. Particular days that we're celebrating. He says, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt. Don't forget it. Don't let it go out of your mind. Remember this day which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and there shall no leavened bread be eaten. Dropping down to verse 8. Notice what he says again. And you shall show your son in that day, saying, this is done because that which the Lord did to me when I came out of Egypt. Notice we're going forward in time. He says, you will hear here in verse 8, you shall show your son in that day. So children that were going to come along later, they needed to have explained to them what actually happened and show them how God had delivered, miraculously delivered his people. In verse 8, or I should say down in verse 14, we've read verse 8, but in verse 14, and it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say unto him by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. Notice how Moses here is telling the people, don't forget this, keep it in mind, go back and reminisce On what actually took place and what happened, it was very important. I'm just showing you here how we are to think about the people of Israel coming out of Egypt and how God had them remember that first Exodus. But there's another Exodus that's far more important than that, that God wants us to remember. But I want to give you the principles here of just how important it is that we go back and not forget our deliverance from egypt i just want to read a few scriptures from deuteronomy just to emphasize and reinforce how god does not want us to forget what he's done in our lives and what he has done for us let's go over to the book of deuteronomy now just a few scriptures and as we go through this i think you'll get the point that moses is trying to make a point that he's trying to make sure that god's people always keep in mind the incredible miracle that took place when he delivered them from Egypt and wanting us to understand for that. Remember, these things are written for our admonition and in wanting us to never forget the calling, the understanding that he gave us and how he was the one that deliver us, delivered us from this world through his truth. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and beginning in verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 15. Here we find Moses once again um, right at the very end of their journeyings coming out of uh, Egypt, entering into the promised land. He says in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 5, and remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt. So this is 40 years later. And he says, don't forget this. Remember where you came from. He says, remember you were a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out through a mighty hand and a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And yet here he says, he takes them back to when they lived in Egypt. Don't forget this. Don't forget how God delivered you. In chapter 7 and in verse 18, and you'll see this as we go through the book of Deuteronomy. And as I said we just have a look at a, a few of the scriptures here. In verse 18 of Deuteronomy 7, you shall not be afraid of them, but shall well remember what the Lord your God did unto Pharaoh and to unto all, e, unto all Egypt. He says once again, don't forget what happened back there in Egypt. Don't forget what God did. Don't forget his incredible intervention. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Just over the page or the next chapter in verse 2. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Even 40 years had gone by, but he said, don't forget what happened. Don't let this slip from your mind. Remember to teach these things to your children. Remember the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not we come down to verse 14 he says then your heart be lifted up and you forget the lord your god which brought you forth out of the land of egypt Notice how he does not want us to forget god he didn't want israel to forget god the god who did what the god who brought them forth out of the land of egypt from the house of bondage And down in verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God. In other words, don't forget what God has done. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto your fathers as it is this day. So he's reminding reminding them again, don't forget these things. In chapter 15, just over a few pages here, Deuteronomy chapter 15 And down in verse um, 15, he says here, And you shall remember that you were a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I commanded you this thing today. Once again, telling them, don't forget. We come down to chapter 16 and verse 3. He says, You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. And uh, once again, this is talking about these days right now. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For you came forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day when you came forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. Down in verse 12 of this chapter, we find he says, And you shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt, and you shall observe and do these statutes. All the time, Moses is telling them, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, please remember these things. And just one final scripture here in Deuteronomy, in uh, chapter 24 and verse 18. But you shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. And so, once again, finally here in this last verse I'm going to read, he says, "'You shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt.'" God says, "'Never forget this.'" And yet I'm afraid, brethren, I fear that many, unfortunately, have forgotten where we came from. Remember the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, "'You see your calling, brethren, not many wise and not many mighty and not many noble.'" Even there, Paul is telling the church in Corinth, remember our calling. And this is something, as God's people on this day particularly, and these days, the days of unleavened bread, that God wants us to remember something very, very vital. Let's go over here to the book of Hebrews now. The book of Hebrews, and in chapter 10, we find, once again, a statement that the Apostle Paul is making and this concerns the end time we often read hebrews chapter 10 because in verse um, uh, the early part of the chapter in verse uh, uh, 23 he tells us let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together And it was obvious when Paul was writing this that there were those that were forsaking the assembling of themselves together as God's people. And we have many today that do not assemble together. And as time goes on, they will even forget more of the blessings that God has given and the deliverance that God gave to them. But down in this chapter in verse 33 or verse 32... The Apostle Paul tells us the same thing that Moses told the people of Israel. Here, Paul is telling us, members of the church of God, those that God is dealing with in a spiritual way now. In verse 32 of Hebrews 10, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction, and some of the other translations, you can read those. It, 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 the context of the whole thing is, remember when you were called. Remember when God first opened up your mind to his truth and the struggles that you went through of having to leave this world behind, of having to move away perhaps from your family or you had to change your, your workplace or your job because you began to keep the Sabbath, whatever. Paul says here, call to remembrance and this is something you know we have the opportunity to do that perhaps on the night to be much remembered perhaps last evening some of you may have done this as you sat around the table and perhaps discussed what it was like when you came into the church when you began to understand the truth if you didn't you have these days to reflect upon it but Paul here is telling us call to remembrance the times when Our mind was first being worked with by God when he started to put his spirit there to begin to enlighten us. And so as we go through this particular section here, we come down to verse 36. He says, For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Think about the patience that they needed to go through that wilderness for 40 years. They look forward to the promised land up ahead. And our promised land up ahead is the kingdom of God. And we need to continually focus on that as well as think about where we came from, what we were doing before God called us and how he did call us. We have need of patience in verse 37. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. It's basically what the Apostle Paul said. We read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, with many of them, God was not well pleased. And so we need to do that. Think about our calling. I might just give you my, just my personal example and, and uh, you know, show you how we can do this and how important it is for us to go back and reflect upon these things. You know, I was just a young man, not quite 17 years old. And I remember reading in a reader's digest, an ad that provoked my attention. I wasn't interested in the Bible. I wasn't interested in thinking about, well, I'd like God to call me. But I read this ad and it said, if God, if the Bible mentions great nations, like, or insignificant nations, actually, like Egypt and Ethiopia and Libya and the land of Israel, how come he doesn't mention in prophecy names like the USSR as it was then, the United States, the British Commonwealth as it used to be? And I thought that's an interesting question. I'd like to find out more about that. And so I wrote away for the, uh, the booklet that was advertised and I received in the mail a booklet entitled The United States and the British Commonwealth in Prophecy. And along with that was a magazine I guess that was also mentioned in the advert. I don't remember, but the magazine came, and I still remember. I still have that very first magazine. I remember it was chapter 33 of the, the Bible study course, or the Bible study uh, uh, book that was written by Mr. Basil Wolverton. And that chapter 33 talked about how God had given laws in the Bible that were for our health. And for the first time in my life, I heard about what we refer to as unclean food, that we shouldn't eat things like pig and rabbit and shark and shrimp and so forth. This was very exciting to me. And I thought, well, I never knew this was in the Bible. This is incredible stuff. I've got to tell my parents about this. And so I announced to them from now on, I wasn't going to be eating any of their pork and bacon. that My mother would go to great pains to uh, uh, bake for us and that began to upset the whole thing the family tranquility suddenly was no longer they thought i'd gone crazy and uh, it wasn't too long before i found out about the sabbath and suddenly we used to go off to church every sunday and i'd put a spanner in the works i wasn't going with them anymore So that further destabilized things in our household. Then I found found out about the holy days, the three days and three nights that Christ was in the tomb that I'd never heard about before, and the consternation that caused in my family and how I was being separated from them, and they were losing me. It was very upsetting. I had to struggle with, well, the Bible says I've got to honor my parents, and yet I also had to read there, I've got to honor God. And yet, these there were conflicts there. And then when I announced that I wouldn't be eating on the Day of Atonement, well, that really caused more, more and more problems because this is something that was so totally foreign to anything, anyone in our family had ever thought about. And then I needed to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. I announced to my uh, boss at work that I wasn't able to be... Uh, coming along for the next week or so and he promptly said sorry we don't need you anymore so we go back and we think what we did you have your story you think about it you reminisce on it what you did because you knew this was the truth and this nothing was more important to you and God says you tell these things to your children and when they ask you why are you doing this why are you keeping the sabbath why are you keeping these holy days Because they may grow up. My children have grown up in the church. They've never really had to face these problems. They were taught the the truth from their youth. But we need to go back and explain to them what it was like and let them know what we went through. God says, don't forget this. When your children ask you, you go through and explain it to them. And on the night to be much remembered as a family environment or you and your friends. And that's one of the things that you can discuss and talk about and not forget the affliction or the turmoil or the upset that you went through as the apostle paul says here in verse 32 call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated you endured the great fight of affliction or the difficulties and the troubles that were involved in coming into the truth also god says don't forget what it was like in egypt that is very important not only are we to reminisce and think about how god enlightened us and gave us this truth and the excitement that was there when we learned about some of these things not going to heaven when we die was another one that i remember because i, my, I guess my grandfather had died not too long before that and we went to the funeral and uh, uh, that's where he went and yet when you come to the bible and you find the truth of these things you realize that's not what the scripture says at all so this were these were exciting times and for that truth we were prepared to go through a lot of ups and downs over here in exodus chapter one taking you back to the book of exodus once again let's have a look at what life was like for israel In Egypt. Exodus chapter 1 and starting here in verse 11. Exodus 1 and verse 11. Therefore, and this is one of the things that God tells them to remember and not to forget that they were bondmen in Egypt. And we can just gloss over that word, but what's it like and what's it mean to be a bondman? Therefore, verse 11, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens and they built for pharaoh treasure cities of pithom and Ramses. and then down in verse 13 of chapter 1 and the egyptians made the children of israel to serve with rigor now this life was not pleasant they were serving with rigor as he said there were taskmasters that afflicted them with burdens in verse 14 and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. And all their service wherein they made them to serve was with rigor. It was hard, it was difficult. And yet, how was it that a f- very short time later, after the Exodus, within a month or so, the Israelites were getting upset with Moses and with Aaron and with God, and they said, would have been better if we stay there they suddenly forgot just how difficult and hard it was because going into the wilderness coming out of Egypt did have its problems as well and yet as we have a look at the scriptures here we'll find that what Christ was offering was much better than anything that Egypt could offer them so reading these scriptures God says don't forget this it wasn't easy back in Egypt And yet sometimes we can get to be thinking, oh, it was pretty good back then. And yet the reality of it is is just the opposite. Over here in Colossians chapter chapter 1 in the New Testament, the book of Colossians, you see Egypt was Satan's system. And we got to, today we need to think about just how Satan's system holds people in captivity how it holds them in bondage and of course today there there are many ways that that can be done but i'll just give you one example of a way that perhaps some of you may still be in bondage to this world system and i think of the uh, massive debt right now that the united states has i forget the exact numbers but it's up into the trillions and trillions of, of dollars which basically will never be able to be repaid. And we have borrowed, we have lived beyond our means, and we're going to pay a very high price for, for that. But individually, many people today are in bondage to the banks. We, many, most people probably have a credit card, and it's so easy to go out and buy something that we really can't afford and we put it on credit and we say, we'll pay for it later. And then the banks start to charge us an enormous amount of interest. And we come under their control. We're in bondage or in slavery or we're controlled by the economic system. And yet, what do we find here in the book of Colossians and chapter 1? In, beginning in verse 5, it, the Apostle Paul is writing to the, the church here and he says, mortify or put to death therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanliness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry and our economic system today is designed to create a desire and a lust and a covetousness as people see their television they see the ads they read the magazines and they want, they want to get. And those who are manufacturers, they want to sell you something, and they convince you that you cannot live without it. And unfortunately, as I believe in the book of Isaiah or Jeremiah, who says the whole nation is given to covetousness, even from the the prophet or the priest down to the lowest of the people. And it's a sad thing that we then become slaves or we come in bondage to this covetous attitude which Paul says here is idolatry and that's what happened in Egypt the Egyptians worship their idols today I mentioned earlier on about the Hindus and the Buddhist people they worship idols made out of rock and stone and they're in captivity to that with their superstitious ideas and beliefs and yet at the same time many of us are in captivity to covetousness and that's the idolatry that surrounds us and we need to be careful of that we need to think about this day and how it applies to us and how much of a control the world has on us what about as it says here in verse uh, verse 5 that we've already read how people how how we need to mortify the deeds of the flesh and the first one he mentions is fornication and the incredible uh, entertainment industry uh, that is based on so much licentiousness and and uh, um, the, the the breaking of God's se- the seventh commandment of family breakups and the the, uh, the the entertainment industry that we see out there and how it is based on just people uh, not taking any heed to God's commandments of of a wholesome virtuous life and it's very sad that we're sucked in by all of that and these things he says. Are really the egyptian society in which we live today in which we need to come out of and it's only through god's word and his truth that we can be sanctified or set apart and come out of this world he says in verse 6 for which thing's sake the wrath of god comes on the children of disobedience and that's what happened back in egypt that's what's going to happen to our system and our society today in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them but now you also put off all of these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth we, we may have time to come back to some of these scriptures here which really discuss more about our coming out of this system and out of this world and not forgetting where we came from but getting back to what i was saying before here in first corinthians chapter one and verse five where Paul mentions how covetous is idolatry. This is one of the things, brethren, that perhaps is present, pre- preventing many of us from doing God's work and having our hearts in doing God's work as, as much as we should. God wants us to look at his system and his laws and his statutes with a positive outlook, realizing that what The world has to offer is certainly not God's ways. And I know sometimes with uh, members in the church that I've come across and counsel with, I find that they are having at times difficulty in being able to pay their tithe. And we have been criticized or perhaps enemies of the truth have criticized this in the past, how we Uh, have people pay their tithes and to support the work of god and uh, of course have been very critical of that but what we need to think about is god's tithe is a blessing not a curse some people look upon it as oh you people have to pay your tithe and oh what a horrible thing that is you could be using this for this that and the other no what we need to think about is egypt is the curse This system and society is the curse. You think about the heavy taxation perhaps many of you have to pay. That's Satan's system and we need to look upon being able to give God his tithe as a blessing. Coming out of this world and its system and giving to God is a blessing, not a curse. The curse is that we have to pay enormous taxation to support all the Uh, perhaps the the military service that we're involved in, uh, the welfare schemes and programs of perhaps uh, uh, um, um, parents who have had children out of wedlock and they're not working and yet they need to be supported. Uh, God's law has been transgressed and our whole country has come under the idolatrous curse, you might say, of Satan's way of life. We need to get our thinking turned around to where we need where we realize that tithing and giving to God and his work is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. You know, back over here in the book of Haggai, towards the end of the Old Testament, we find a very similar and parallel example to the people of Judah who had just recently come out of Babylon. Uh, Babylon, Egypt, in some ways are interchangeable. They were both uh, uh, countries and nations in which God's people had been held in slavery or captivity. And here in the book of Haggai, we find where God's people had been given a responsibility in coming back to Jerusalem after the captivity. They were to begin to build God's house. They were to do his work. And yet, because of the society around them, they were hindered and they got sidetracked and they began to think that that became a burden on them and we find here in Haggai in the first chapter and in verse 2 let's read a couple of verses here just see the similarities of how we need to think about the society in which we live and how oppressive it is and what it prevents us from doing and perhaps the wrong attitudes that it instills into our thinking of how it is a blessing to leave Egypt. It is a blessing to leave this society. And yet Satan does not want us to think in those terms. In verse 2 of Haggai chapter 1, thus speaks the eternal of hosts saying, this people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Well, We've got other things to take care of first. We got perhaps got our... Uh, uh, credit card debts that we've got to pay off Uh, those things have got to be taken care of and then he says in verse 3 then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying is it the time for you O you to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lies waste he's talking to them here and saying look you're you're putting yourself first and you're forgetting about God and his work and the very reason that he's allowed you to come out of Egypt. And their minds were being sidetracked. Is it the verse four, is it time for you O you to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lies waste? Now, therefore, thus says the eternal of hosts, consider your ways. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to consider our exodus out of Egypt. He wants us to consider how much out of this society have we come, how much of God's truth is in us that has caused us to become separated from this world, to be in the world but not of it, and as Paul said, to come out of her, my people, and not be partakers of her sins, not be involved in her idolatrous worship and her lifestyles. Well, he reminds them down here in chapter 2 of Haggai, just notice it here in verse 5. He says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. Now, Notice here, Haggai, even though they just left Babylon, he goes back and he says, remember Egypt. Remember where you came from. This is the covenant that God made with you when you came out of Egypt. And that covenant, he says, so my spirit remains among you, fear you not. And now that we have been given the opportunity to come out of this world, to come out of its system, to come out of this society, how much more today we of the church of God and the people who know the truth, not a physical carnal nation, if his spirit was going to be among them, how much more will it be among us? And we don't have to fear. We can stand tall, we can stand strong, and we can know that we can live in this world, that we don't have to succumb to the pressures and the temptations and the covetousness that that is there, that is wanting us to to go back to where we once upon a time came from. Over here in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, we find that Christ is... um, giving some instructions here he'd uh, just been discussing here about john the baptist and uh, the uh, some of the difficulties and problems that uh, had just happened Uh, but down the end of chapter 11 of matthew christ makes an interesting statement perhaps we never looked upon it in terms of egypt and our remembering where we came from and what moses had said to the people of israel and what the apostle paul says to us about remembering these things in verse 28 of matthew 11 christ says come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden now isn't that what happened with israel when they're in egypt the egyptians caused them to serve with rigor they were burdened down they were under pressure as we read right here Christ is talking to us into this world today and many of us who have come out of this world we have been under the pressure and the and, and the weight and the burden of this system and its society well Christ says come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest now that is something that we need to think about in terms of coming into the truth and God calling us, there should be in all of our minds a relief that takes place that no longer are we under the pressure of this system and this world, that now we can live in the truth with God's Spirit and there should be that relief. But, you know, for some there just isn't. And we need to ask ourselves, why not? Some who have felt that coming into the church of God was a burden, and they have unfortunately moved aside. They have gone away. And yet there is something here that they perhaps missed completely and should have understood. Christ said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wanted to take Israel out of Egypt and give them rest. He wanted to take them to the promised land and give them rest. In verse 29, Christ says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And so, even though we leave this world and the burden and the pressures it has, nevertheless, we find here that there is a yoke that Christ puts on us, but a yoke from which we can learn. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. Once we come into the truth, once we leave this world and we receive God's Spirit and we come under Christ's authority, brethren, there should be a relief that takes place in our mind. There should be a a freedom that takes place that we can live in this world and not have the same worries and problems that we see people suffering all around us and the two points that he brings out here of which we are to learn of him he says I am meek and lowly in heart and that's something that we need to consider very seriously as we come out of Egypt as we think about this day and consider where we came from to be meek is to continue to be teachable the meek shall inherit the earth christ had this characteristic we have got to learn of him how do we do that how do we stay meek we got to be lowly as he says here in heart you know not trying to establish ourselves or build ourselves up or let the world know how great we are in one, in that sense you know human nature as many of you have read and heard previously, is a combination of vanity, jealousy, lust, and greed. It is all towards the self. It's self-centered. It's thinking of itself and how important it is. And that's what we find out on the, in the world. That's what, people, that's what, that's what drives people how to, to be successful, to do better, to be important, to have more money. And it all gets back to their vanity, their jealousy, their lust, and their greed. But our goals, brethren, need to be focused on the kingdom of God and what's up ahead and what Christ can do for us. But when we get our mind on ourselves, when we cease to be meek and teachable as God's people, when we cease to learn from the church and the teachings that come from headquarters and from Mr. Meredith and those that are writing the articles for the magazine and as we go to the Bible and we see what Christ says for us to do and how we are to live, if we are not meek and teachable, then God's not going to be able to work with us. That, y- that yoke of Christ is not going to be able to be on us. And of course, we need to also learn, as it says here, to be lowly in heart, to consider the other better than ourselves, and to realize that you see your calling, brethren, not many wise or mighty or noble when Israel was in Egypt, they were a, they were a slave people. They were the least of all countries and nations, and yet God called them to serve Him, and that's what God has done with us. He has called us to be those kings and priests ultimately. So we need to understand what our human nature is and how it wants to continually exalt itself and go the very opposite in the very opposite direction. That Christ says that we have to learn of him take my yoke upon you and learn of me and this is what he in instructs us to do here never to be high-minded never to exalt ourselves he who exalts himself is going to be abased that's a law that God has given in his word that is going to happen every single time and yet as we read here there is a yoke and when we go back here to the book of Deuteronomy, where we were earlier on, I want to read a verse or two here so we can comprehend the, let's say, the, the yoke that Christ puts upon us at this time. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we find that when he did bring the people of Israel out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness, And he tells them, we actually read this uh, verse here earlier on in verse 2, but let's have a look at the next few verses after that. We'll start in verse 2, and he says, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years. Now, God has brought us out of this system, out of this world, out of this society, and he is leading us, leading us towards the kingdom of God. We're not in the kingdom of God yet, and the kingdom of God is not here yet. And yet he says, I want you to remember all the way that God led you these 40 years since you've left Egypt into the wilderness. He said to humble you. You We read there about Christ's yoke, meek and lowly in heart. And Christ says about Israel here that they needed to remain humble, that he wanted to prove them, that he wanted to know what was in their heart, whether they would continue to keep his commandments or no. And God does the same with us. We find here in um, just dropping down here to verse three. So he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger. You know, sometimes coming into the church, into the truth, it may look like things are not going the way we thought they may go to begin with. It may be difficult. It may be tough. And yet God is working something out that we need to continue to look to him in faith and to know that all things are going to work together for good. We need to trust God. We have to have that confidence. And yet, as he says here, he humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you knew not and neither did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live and down in verse 5 and you shall also consider in your heart you know think about these things that as a man chastens his son so the Lord your God chastens you coming in to the truth and into the church we need to anticipate there are going to be trials but God is doing that for the development of our character to instill in us the character of Christ himself to be lowly of heart to uh, to be meek and of course to develop that holy righteous character that uh, God and Jesus Christ have and that also needs to be in us so God is, has a purpose as he works with us and developing Christ in us in Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11 this is the faith chapter as we all know and there are many examples of people that have been used by God down through time. But we find here in Hebrews chapter 11, and starting here in verse 24, talking about Moses. And once again, how important it is. Paul takes us back to that. He reminds us of what happened in the life of Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. By faith, Moses, verse 24 of Hebrews 11 By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't want to be a part of Egypt anymore. Down in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh, maybe we should go back there. It was nice living back in Egypt in the world. We had this and we had that and the other. And now, well, you know, it's a little tough. little difficult uh, and maybe we've made the wrong decision here satan is going to want to put doubts in our mind but go back and read these scriptures here and realizing what moses did how he was better as he says here to suffer the afflictions with the people of god than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproaches of christ greater riches than the treasures in egypt what god has to offer us and coming out of this world and being separated by his truth is of far greater value than anything this world is, is going to offer. This world is headed to its destruction, and yet the kingdom of God is going to endure forever. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, the compensation that was going to be was given for, uh, to him for standing up for what he knew was right. And so, brethren, we have the same opportunities that if we do what Moses did here and not go back to this world, but remember our calling, remember what we went through, the trials and the difficulties, then we are going to be able to stand there in the resurrection with Moses someday in the very near future. Just a couple of other thoughts on this uh, subject, thinking about the people coming out of Egypt, uh, those brethren of ours over the years who have also made that same determination and yet are no longer walking with us over in the book of Acts and chapter two Acts chapter two, we read about repentance, and uh, the apostle Peter preached on this, as you all know and Coming out of Egypt is a type of us coming out of this world, turning our back on this world. It's it's all to do with the repentance that the Apostle Peter talks about here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Let's read it quickly here in verse 38, Acts 2. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, the Israelites came through the Red Sea. And they baptized into Moses. When well, we come out of this world, we repent, we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember we read in the book of Haggai, God's Spirit will be with you uh, with the covenant that uh, Israel had, had made. And so how much more uh, those of us who repent of our sins and accept Christ's sacrifice and are baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, many people repent. Many are able to come to a conclusion by themselves that I need to change my way of life. I need to stop living the way that I have been living. Repentance is not the entire answer to having God's Spirit work in us and continuing on and remaining faithful to our calling people can come to understand the truth of let's say they shouldn't smoke because they're defiling the temple of the holy spirit and so we stop smoking well there are people in the world who don't even understand the truth who can repent and stop smoking many have there are people who can repent and say i've been a glutton i need to lose weight they've repented but they don't receive the holy spirit Perhaps there are others who can see the argument of keeping the Sabbath. And so they begin to keep the Sabbath or they stop keeping Christmas and stop keeping Easter. Repentance is important. And yet there's another step that is involved. Yes, receiving in the Holy Spirit as it mentions here. But let's read on into the next chapter. Not only does Peter mention repentance, but he mentions something else that is vital for all of us who have made this step to leave this world and this society to exodus out of modern-day egypt he says here in verse 19 of acts chapter 3 remember the man had been supernaturally healed and as we come down into this chapter here we see in verse 19 peter says repent you therefore same was what he said back in the previous chapter but he says repent therefore and be converted Brethren, we have to think about our coming out of Egypt. Israel came out of Egypt. They turned their back on that system, but they were never converted. And today, we can turn our back on this system and this society, but we may not be converted. We need to think about this. Conversion is another step, and that involves the miraculous healing when we read The whole chapter here regarding this man when Peter said, I don't have gold and silver, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And we need to have Christ working in our life more than us just taking, making that step and saying, I'm doing this on my own. People can change their life on their own and by themselves as i said they can stop smoking by themselves but to be converted takes the spirit of god and we need god's spirit in our life working with us we need to understand this over here in second peter second peter and the very first chapter the apostle peter speaks about remaining faithful to the truth And he speaks about conversion here. He talks about our coming out of this world. And here in verse uh, 4 of Second Peter in the first chapter, let's read a few verses here. He says, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So not only do we have to repent, but we have to be partakers of the divine nature Of Christ's nature, God's nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Remember, Egypt escaped, uh, Israel escaped Egypt. We have to escape the corruption that is in this world, uh, through lust, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence. So there has to be something that we do. Diligence is involved on our part. Before I read the, those few verses there, I want to drop down here to, um, to verse 8 he says for if these things be in you and they can only be in us through God's Spirit and we need to allow God's Spirit to be working in our life not letting it become dormant it has to be stirred up as the Apostle Paul told Timothy spirit stir up the spirit that is in you we are not to allow the spirit to be quenched and that's why Peter says here reading in verse 8 again For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten. Remember the reminders that Moses gave us, that Paul gave us? Don't forget. We don't want to forget that he was purged from his old sins. Remember where we came from. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, or your calling and selection, that word can mean. God has selected us. Make it sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. And I put it to you, brethren, that many who have kept these days in a physical way have forgotten the calling that God gave us. They have forgotten where they came from. They cease to reminisce on the wonderful blessing it was to be called out of this world of corruption and into the truth. And as he says here in verse 6 or verse end of verse 5, he says, um, well, let's read verse 5, and besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. We need to be virtuous and to virtue knowledge. And I don't have time to explain all these, but you do a study on this and you think about these things and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we allow God's Spirit to work in our life, brethren, putting these things into practice, allowing Christ to live his life in us. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5 letting this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And brethren, as the Apostle Peter says here at the end of verse 10, if you do these things, you will never fall. So let's think about the calling that God has given to us. Think about and reminisce on how God delivered us out of this world, how he put that truth into our minds how he gave us the encouragement in times of trial as we were coming into the truth and into the church. And never forget these things. Never forget where we came from, that we need to remember our calling, not many wise or mighty or noble. Remember how we are to take Christ's burden and his yoke upon us, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that burden, of course, as he says, you learn of me to be meek and lowly in heart. And as we do those things, as we implement God's way of life through His Spirit in our life, we pull away more and more from this world and we have less to do with this society and the attractions and the pulls it has on us and we look forward to the kingdom of God, then we can have the assurance, brethren, as the Apostle Peter said, the great, exceeding, great and precious promises that are given to us, we will never fall. And so we have that wonderful blessing of knowing the truth of these holy days and being able to celebrate them not only now, but here on out forever. For the kingdom of God, there is no end.